Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of Exodus, chapter 2. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. Can you imagine the faith that it took to put the baby in a basket and allow it to go downstream. The faith that it took to do that. I mean, you know, some people, I know parents who don't have faith to put their children in nursery. Don't say amen. And the faith that it took this woman to prepare this basket, because she loved her son. And not only did she love her son, but she knew that there was something special about him. And by faith, Hebrews chapter 11 tells us, and also Acts chapter 7, you want to read those two chapters to get a real full picture of of Moses and his life. But by faith, she put him in that basket, believing that God was going to use him and God was going to do a work and and, and, and so she, she, she put him in the basket and watched him go downstream. And I don't think as she was watching him go downstream and, and sending the baby down the stream, I don't think she was saying, K Sarah, Sarah, what, whatever will be, will be. I don't think so. I think she probably was praying and she probably said, Jehovah Yahweh, please protect my boy. And Jochebed sent Miriam, his sister, to see what would happen to her little brother. Parents, listen, don't miss this. Jochebed made her plans and said her prayers. Parents, listen. Jochebed made her plans and said her prayers. She trusted the Lord with her little boy. And you know, parents, I have learned this in my 20-some-odd years of being married and, and being a parent. I can tell you, especially with teens, especially with teens, you, you, you know, as they're coming into adulthood, you know, when they get to be a certain age, you got to say your prayers and trust them to the Lord. You know, we do quite a bit of family counseling here. And, you know, there comes an age, parents, you know this, when they get to that age where you just got to say your prayers and trust them to the Lord. Because they're just not hearing you. And you, you love them and you, 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 you trust God and you love them and you, you're just like, yeah, you're not hearing me. You're not hearing me. You got to say your prayers and trust them to the Lord. That's what Jochebed did. She said her prayers and she sent him downstream. Now, here's something to think about. Here's something to think about. Because someone just brought this up to me about, uh, about a week ago, actually. People have said, and perhaps you've heard people say, people have said, you know, there's so much evil in the world. I don't want to bring children into an evil world. Have you ever heard that? 
Has anybody heard that? I've heard that. Yeah, many of us have. People say, I don't want to have any kids because this world is so evil. This world is so bad. I don't want to have any kids. Listen, Moses was born in a very dark, dangerous, murderous environment. When Moses opened his eyes, he opened them to an unfriendly world. Ever since the days of Noah, the world has been unfriendly. Noah had three sons and the Bible says it was at that time that men's hearts were continually evil. So would to God, I, you know, I don't, I don't really agree with that to tell you the truth. That I don't want to bring children into the world because the world is evil. The world has always been evil. Every generation thinks they're living in the most evil times. We all think we're going, oh, it's so evil, it's so evil. Yeah, it is evil and it continues to get evil, but it always has been evil. The Bible says from the days of Noah, men's hearts were continually evil. They never stopped being evil. So should we bring children into a world that is evil? I say absolutely. If God says, if God ordains, if God allows you to have children, you bring children into a world that is evil. And perhaps you as a parent would raise your children in the fear and the admonition of the Lord. Who knows what God is going to do through your child? You know, it's all how you think about it. It's all how you think about it. The world's always been evil. May we as parents, may we as Christian parents and, 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 and bring our children up in, in a home where, where it's loving. The world's always been evil. Moses was born in a very bleak and very dark time. And the Bible says that Jochebed, she knew God had a plan for him. And so she bought him in the world anyway. And then she trusted the Lord and said her prayers. And then she hit him for three months and and did what God called her to do. Now, look at verse five. Then the daughter of Pharaoh in verse five came down to bathe at the river and her maidens walked along the riverside. And when she saw the ark among the reeds, she sent her maid to get it. And when she opened it, she saw the child and behold, the baby wept. So she had compassion on him and said, this is one of the Hebrew children. And then his sister said to Pharaoh's daughter, that's Miriam, she said, shall I go and call a nurse for you from the Hebrew women that she may nurse the child for you? And Pharaoh's daughter said to her, go. So the maiden went and called the child's mother, Jochebed. And then Pharaoh's God thing, God thing, I'll tell you in a minute. Then Pharaoh's daughter said to her in verse nine, take this child away and nurse him for me and I will give you your wages. And so the woman took the child and she nursed him and the child grew in verse 10 and she brought him to Pharaoh's daughter and he became her son. So she called his name, what saints? Moses saying, what? Because I drew him out of the water. So give me your attention. The story, the plot thickens. The daughter of Pharaoh. She comes down to the river to take a bath. Egypt is hot and humid. She probably needed a bath. <laughs> Amen. That's a good. And so God sends her, God, see, she needs a bath. But God sends her down to the river at that spot at that time. You see that? Now get this. Remember last week, if you were with us, many scholars, remember we talked about uh, Egypt, Egyptian history. And many, many, last week we talked about, if you were missed it, you can pick up a CD. But, but many scholars believe, get this, that the daughter of Pharaoh was that woman I told you last week, her name is Hatshitsut. 
Remember Hachitsu. Many believe that that was a daughter of Pharaoh. Hachitsu, remember I told you, was the wife of Thutmose II. And some believe she was barren and spent time at the river praying to the God of the Nile. Either way, we can see the providence of God guiding her pagan footsteps to the river at the right time when she saw the ark. Amen, saints? We can see God's hand. So she sent her maid to get the basket as she saw it. And when she opened it, she saw the child Moses began to cry and she had compassion on him, even though she knew he was Hebrew. One Bible scholar suggested, listen, right before she opened the lid, he suggested right before she opened the lid, an angel pinched Moses so that he would cry and tears would run down her face, his face and her heart was moved with compassion. Isn't that interesting? He was crying. Her heart, you know, and here's something else. God, you know, God moves supernaturally natural. It's very natural for a woman to have a soft and compassionate heart for a baby, for a crying baby. And it's very likely that an angel pinched Moses or stuck him with a pin or something. (laughs) And she opens it up and she sees him and she goes, oh, the little baby and tears running down his eyes. You know, by the way, who was the greatest female financier in the Bible? Anybody know? Answer, Pharaoh's daughter. She went down to the bank of the Nile and drew out a little profit. Sorry. Sorry. So when she realized... That the baby was Hebrew. Did did you get that? I, I found that to be interesting. When she realized that the baby was Hebrew, Moses' sister said, do you want me to go and call one of the Hebrew women to nurse the child? Why? Well, listen at this. A Jewish historian by the name of Josephus, if you've been around here, you know his name. He says this. Pharaoh's daughter tried to nurse Moses amongst the Egyptian women, but he continued, Moses continued to turn his face away and he wouldn't nurse. And that's when Miriam said, do you want me to get a nurse from among the Hebrew women? Because Moses wouldn't nurse amongst the Egyptian women. And so Pharaoh's daughter said, go. And she, Miriam, went and she got his mother. And I am sure, listen, I am sure that Miriam, she goes home and, and she, I'm, she had to be excited. I mean, she had to be excited. She goes home. She runs in the house. She says, mom, mom, are you sitting down? You got to sit down. You will not believe this. You're not going to believe this. She'll say, she says, Mo was floating in, in the basket. And, 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 and right at the right moment when he got right to this one lady who happened to be the Pharaoh's daughter, she, she got her one of her maids to get the basket out. And mom, you're not going to believe this. She looks at the baby and she loves him. Remember, she was, she was Egyptian. She, she could have and even should have put him in the Nile. Are y'all getting that? She should have, according to the Pharaoh's edict, she was supposed to take the baby out and put him in the crocodile infested Nile, but she didn't because of God. And Miriam said, Mom, you are not going to believe this. She looked at Bo and she loved him. 
as she took him in and she tried to take care of him and feed him. And mom, she couldn't find anybody to breastfeed him and to give him food. And so I, I just asked her, mom, it just was a God thing. It was a Holy Spirit thing, mom. I, I just said to her, I ran up to her and I said, hey, you want me to go get one of the Hebrew women? And she said, yeah, go. And so mom, I'm you, you, mom, you can be his mother again. And his mother is probably like, Oive, I can't believe it. It's amazing. It's a God thing. It's a God thing. Amen, saints? It is a God thing. I mean, think about that. Isn't that just like God? She is able to come back into her son's life and the Egyptians foot the bill because she said, I'll even pay her. Isn't that a God thing? I mean, this is kind of like government subsidized. You know, all the way, man. I mean, the Egyptian tax dollars at work. Isn't that just like God? Isn't that just like God? When you walk by faith, saints, God will take care of things and God will open doors and God will make ways and God will even change people's hearts. God will cause people to disobey other people so that he can bless you because you were walking by faith. That's exactly what we have here. Man, she got her baby back. Jochebed got her baby back and she got a salary. Would to God, we as parents could get paid for raising our kids. Say amen, parents. I wish I could get a check. (laughs) Hebrews chapter 11, verse 23. You write that down. Let me read it to you. Describes the faith of Moses' parents. And it says this. By faith, Moses... When he was born, was hidden three months by his parents because they saw he was a beautiful child and they were not afraid of the king's command. Isn't that interesting? So Pharaoh winds up paying Moses' mother to nurse him and then raising the deliverer in his own house. Don't you love it when a plan comes together? Don't you love it? And he lived with them until he was weaned which is around three to five years old, by the way, saints. And I'm sure it's in those years that mom and dad, Amram and Jochebed, talked to their little boy about the creation of the world. Remember Moses wrote Genesis? And Moses wrote the book of Exodus? And, and I'm sure that, 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 they, that, that, that his mom and dad talked to him about, you know, the creation of the world. They talked to him about Cain and Abel. They talked to him about Noah and the flood and Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, and Joseph, and they talked about how, you know, they had come to Egypt, and that there was a promise that the deliverer would come and deliver the people, and they talked to him about all those things. Well, then in verse 10, we just read it, when the time of nursing was ended, and the boy was returned to live in the palace full-time, Pharaoh's daughter, did you notice this? She named him Moshe, or Moses, which means what, saints? Drawn out. That's what it means. And we don't know his name. You know, we don't know. We don't know what his mom and his dad named him. The Pharaoh's daughter named him. We don't know what his mom and dad named him. I mean, when we get to heaven, we'll we'll ask him. You know, what did your mom and dad name you? Yentl. It's like, oh, oh, okay. Good name is any. 
We don't know what his mom and dad named him. We know that Pharaoh's daughter named him Moses. Why? Because he was drawn out of the water. And I wonder, did she, I know she didn't, realize that his name was prophetic of his destiny. He would draw his people out from the slavery in Egypt. And she didn't know that. Now listen at this. God is a God of irony, isn't he? Isn't God a God of irony? Listen at this. Pharaoh thought the Hebrew males were his enemies, but it was females who preserved his life. The midwives, Jochebed, Miriam, and his own daughter. The Nile River was supposed to be Moses' place of death, but it became his place of deliverance. Moses was drawn out of the river that he might draw out the people of Israel from Egypt. God is a God of irony. Here's a Dr. I.M. Haldeman, and he wrote this. The life of Moses, listen, the life of Moses presents a series of striking antithesis. He was a child of a slave and the son of a queen. He was born in a hut and lived in a palace. He inherited poverty and enjoyed unlimited wealth. He was the leader of armies and the keeper of flocks. He was the mightiest of warriors and the meekest of men. He was educated in the court and dwelt in the desert. He had the wisdom of Egypt and the faith of a child. He was fitted for the city, but wandered in the wilderness. He was tempted with the pleasures of sin, but endured the hardships of virtue. He was backward in speech, but talked with God. He had the rod of a shepherd and the power of the infinite. He was a fugitive from Pharaoh and an ambassador from heaven. He was the giver of the law and the forerunner of grace. He died alone on Mount Moab and appeared to Christ in Judea. No man assisted at his funeral, yet God buried him. Isn't that interesting? Look at verse 11, if you will. Now it came to pass in those days when Moses was grown, that he went out to his brethren and looked at their burdens. And he saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew one of his brethren. And so he looked this way and that way. And when he saw no one, he's a sneaky little rascal, isn't he? When he saw no one, he killed the Egyptian and hid him in the sand. And when he went out the second day, behold, two Hebrew men were fighting. And he said to the one who did the wrong, why are you striking your companion? And then he said, who made you a prince and a judge over us? Do you intend to kill me as you killed the Egyptian? So Moses feared and said, surely this thing is known. And when Pharaoh heard of this matter, he sought to kill Moses. But Moses fled from the face of Pharaoh and dwelt in the land of Midian. And he sat down by a well. Notice it came to pass in verse 11 when he was grown. So verse 11, if you're taking notes, it takes us to a time when Moses was about 40 years old. We fast forward to when Moses was 40 years old. At the age of 40, Moses had some sense of connection with Israel and not with Egypt. Now, how do you know that, Rodney? Well, it's in Acts chapter 7, verse 22 through 25. Do I have that verse? Good. Look at verse 20, 22 through 25. That's right. Moses was learned, it reads, in all the wisdom of the Egyptians and was mighty in words and deeds. Now, when he was how old, saints? 
40 years old, it came into his heart to visit his brethren, the children of Israel. And seeing one of them suffer wrong, he defended and avenged him who was oppressed and struck down the Egyptian. For he supposed that his brother would have understood that God would deliver them by his hand, but they did not understand. They didn't understand. Now, Hebrews chapter 11, you'll look that up in your own time, but he refused, it says, that he refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Now, I don't want you to miss this because this is very, very important. I don't want you to miss this. Notice it came to pass in those days when Moses was grown that he went out. Did you see that? Circle that and highlight it in your Bible. Notice it doesn't say he was sent out. It says he went out. He went out to see the situation because he has a sense of connection with Israel. He has a sense that there that, 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 that it is greater riches to suffer reproach with Israel than to enjoy the treasures of Egypt. He has a sense that he would rather suffer than have the pleasures of sin for a season. You see, Moses went out. He wasn't sent out. He went out in the power of the flesh. He went out in the wisdom of Egypt, but not in the wisdom of God. You see, he is the deliverer. But God's got to teach him some things first. He's not ready to deliver anyone until we can change from Moses went to Moses was sent. See, he's not ready. And he thought he was a deliverer and he tries to make himself the deliverer in the way, watch this, that made sense to him. And that's why he killed that Egyptian. His plan was to kill one Egyptian at a time. One down, five million to go. He's doing it in his flesh. And listen, when Moses is sent, he will go different than he thought. God says, my ways are, y'all listening? God says, my ways are are higher than your ways. My thoughts are higher than your thoughts, says the Lord. You see, when God sends Moses, you know the story because you know your Bible. When God sends Moses, God says, My way is Aaron, Moses, you will go to the Pharaoh with a stick in your hand and you will say to Pharaoh, let my people go. And I'm sure that Moses and Aaron is probably thinking, God, you got to be kidding me. You mean I'm going to go with a stick in my hand? God, can't I go with like a 50 cal? Can I go with even a rock? I mean, I'm going to go with it. And I'm going to say, and I'm going to stand before the Pharaoh and I'm going to stand there with my stick and I'm a deliverer. And I'm going to stand there with my stick and say, God says, let my people go or else. And the Pharaoh's probably going to go, what are you going to do? Beat me with a stick? Ooh, you know. Ooh, I'm scared. I'm scared. I mean, what is he going to do? But you got to understand something. See, God's ways are not our ways. Moses is thinking, I'll go and deliver the people and I'll do it my way, kill them one at a time. God says, no, you will go deliver the people when, number one, I send you. And when I send you, you will go different than the way you would have ever thunk it. Because God does things different than we think things ought to be done. 
Who would think to go to the Pharaoh with a stick in your hand? But God says, you know what? I'm going to do a great work. And you know why God, you know why I believe God put a stick in his hand? Because he wanted him to know Moses, Aaron, the deliverance of God's people is not going to be by your might and by your power and by your strength. But Moses, Aaron learned something that Zechariah learned. It's not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. God says, I'm going to do this thing. And all you're going to be able to do is stand back and go, I cannot believe God's people were delivered with a stick. I can't believe it. And see, God didn't, God didn't need their help. Really, God didn't need their help. And God did deliver his people. Really think about this without their help. Because remember when they got to the Red Sea, God delivered the people. God set them free. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch in Calvary Chapel, Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. You may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light.